0: and your love for others would be seen and heard. Jesus, you are great. You are a great God. You are the great King above all gods. And we are here for you this morning. Jesus, your word says that if you be lifted up, you will draw all people unto yourself. So as we lift your name high, as we continue to lift your name high, this morning as we open up your your word, I pray for each individual heart morning, that they would be drawn to you. If there's anybody here this morning that does not know you, that they've never come into a personal relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus, I pray that today would be that day. We love you. We give you this time, and it's in your name we pray, and the church said, amen, you may be seated. Children, if you could hang around for just a couple minutes, and then we're going to release you to your time in the back. You're going to want to stick around for this, trust me, okay? So, good morning everybody. My name is Paul Allen, I am one of the elders here, and it is a joy Uh, to open up God's Word with you. Uh, Before we jump in, I do want to announce once again about VBS. Raise your hand if you have heard an announcement the last few weeks about VBS. Every hand really should be up. Okay, so we've been talking about VBS for a few weeks. Um, VBS is coming up historically within the church, VBS takes place, and it's for the children of the church itself. Because we are a unique church planted in a YMCA with the heart to reach the YMCA, the way we are going about VBS is that we are going to host a VBS during the day for the kids who attend the daycare here at Little Miami Learning Santa. So this VBS is not for us. It's actually for them. So here are two ways that you can be involved. Okay. The last few weeks we've been saying, Hey, it may be a challenge for you if you work during the the day, because this VBS is actually going to be taking place during the day, but hold on. We have exciting news. Okay. So if you're in that first spot and you're saying, Hey, I am available during the day. How can I help? Okay. Okay. There is going to be a meeting, a very brief one, next Sunday right after church. And we're talking right after church. Okay, so there's going to be no lunch. You won't need to hang around that long, but it's going to be an information time for you to get equipped and understand how you can serve and lead during that time. Okay, second group if you can't serve during the day because you work, okay, or you have other responsibilities. We are actually going to be closing out VBS on that Thursday night. We're going to be having the parents come. We're going to be having a closing ceremony, and we're going to be serving food. And so if you can say, hey, I can do Thursday night. I would love to help. How can I serve with the meal, greeting the moms and dads? How can I get plugged in? We have an opportunity for you, too, that Thursday night. So. Whether you can work and serve the actual VBS time during the day or come and serve with the meal on that Thursday night, the closing ceremony time, we have something for everyone. So next Sunday, right after church, brief time uh, to equip you to see how you can serve. This is an all skate. As Pastor Mike says, this is is an all, all skate. We want the whole church to be involved, young and old. How can you serve? This is our way to say, YMCA, we are here for you, we love you, we're here to serve you, and most importantly, we get to proclaim the gospel to these kids in a really fun and incredible way. So you're going to want to be a part of it. Everyone good? Everyone good? Okay, good. All right, great. Awesome. So kids, you're probably like, why am I still in here? So on Father's Day today, I thought there would be no better way to start out our Father's Day Sunday morning, obviously, than with some dad jokes. Raise your hand if you like dad jokes. The rest of you are lying. Okay, so we all... We all. Was, was, was that me? Did, did, did I step on something? Okay. We all love dad jokes, so I'm gonna. I'm just fire some off. I actually pulled some of the dads this week from our church to say, "Give me your best." Some of them were lame, but it's fine. No, um, I got some. I, I, I got some here, and we're just gonna fire them out. All right, some dad jokes. This this one is from Josh. All right, what has four wheels and flies? A garbage truck. Okay, this one, I know it's bad. This is one, I love the reaction of dad jokes because people are like, oh, these are from Clayton. These are from Clayton. These are good. When does a joke turn into a dad joke? When it becomes apparent. Clayton, where is he at? That, that, that was good. On the laugh-o-meter, that, that was good. Okay. Uh, an invisible man married an invisible woman. Their kids were nothing to look at. <laughs> this, one's from, this one's from Steve Hendricks. He says, Dear Math, grow up and solve your own problems. Matt, Matt over here, he says, why can't you tell a secret in a cornfield? Too many ears. There's way too many ears. There's another one from Josh. I like this one. Uh, If a Viking comes to Jesus, is he Bjorn again? Where's Josh? Did you write that? Oh okay, you twisted a little bit. Okay, it's fine. It's good. Uh, how does the moon cut his hair? Eclipse it? He clips it? Uh, did you guys hear about the corduroy pillow? It's making headlines. Some of you are going to get these at lunch. And you were like, headlines, yes. Last one, and my kids have heard this one a million times. Why do seagulls fly by the sea? Because if they flew by the bay, they'd be bagels. So. All right. Children, aren't you glad you stuck around for that? Are you taking notes? You writing these down? Children, you are dismissed for your time this morning. Have a wonderful time. Hey, can we give a hand for all of the folks that serve back there in the children's ministry? Serving the Lord so well back there with our with our young young ones, and, and, and I want you to know too, because I've been back back there. It's not just games and crafts. They are hearing the Word of God. They are hearing the Gospel, and uh, that is so important as we train them them up. So this morning, church, we are continuing our series in the Psalms of Ascent. We started last week. Uh, we learn that these psalms, these collection of psalms, uh, were ac- ac- actually songs that were written, and they were actually sung as the men of God, as the men, as they were called to the city of Jerusalem three times a year for the festivals. They would actually sing these songs on their on their way up to J- J- Jerusalem. Songs of celebration. And thanksgiving to God. And the psalm today that we're going to read and dive into is no different. Psalm one twenty-eight. If you want to turn there, Psalm one twenty-eight. Is the ice cream truck nearby? I'm, I'm, it's just me. I'm hearing something. Okay. I want to make sure it's not me again. All right. Psalm one twenty-eight. Is going to be our text for today. What's really cool is that uh, when we selected the, hey, we're going to do these Psalms of Ascent, and then I picked the Psalm that I was going to do amongst the other Psalms of Ascent. I did not realize that I actually was also preaching on Father Father's Day. And as I began to study the text, I realized there could not be a more fitting Psalm. For dads today, than Psalm one twenty eight. In fact, if if Proverbs thirty one is for the women of God, for those who fear the Lord, Psalm one twenty eight is for men. Okay, and I'm I'm excited to dive into that this morning. So the question that is going to shape our time together is this: Who is the blessed man? Who is the blessed man? That is going to be the question that's going to frame our time this morning. Let me just give you the quick answer and then we're going to dive dive in. Okay, This is the sentence, the the, the theme of our time this morning. There is immense blessing for the man who chooses to orient his life around Jesus. There is immense blessing Blessing for the man who chooses to orient his life around the Lord. Would you stand as we read Psalm 128 together? Psalm 128. It's a short one, but it's a goodie. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands, you shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, and your children will be like olive shoots around your ta- ta- table. Behold, thus shall be the man, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion; may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem. All the days of your life. May you see your children's children. And peace be upon Israel. You may be seated. So for our time this morning. We've just read the whole entire psalm. But we're going to fo- focus our time on verses 1-4. through four This morning. If you're taking notes. Here's going to be our three main points that are going to guide our our time this morning. Point one, the man who fears the Lord. Point two, the man who walks in the ways of the Lord. And then the third point this morning, the man who reaps the reward of his household. Okay? Psalm 128, if you caught it, kind of reads a lot like the the pro the Proverbs, right? It's this whole reap, so reap understanding. If you do this, then it will go well with you. If you follow the Lord, if you lean into his laws and his commandments, if you obey, if you do these things, then these are the promises of God that will follow. This is how this psalm reads. So let's take a look at point number one. Okay, point number one: the man who fears. The Lord, blessed is everyone, or blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Now we could do an entire study together on the fear of God or the fear of the Lord. Okay, uh, what what it means to fear of the Lord? But for our time this morning, here's what it, what we don't mean. Okay, there is a big difference between fearing God and having a fear of the Lord. So, we're not going to be talking about dread or terror this morning, okay? Having a biblical fear of God includes a right and healthy understanding of who God is and who we are. Let me say it again. A biblical understanding of the fear of the Lord. Having a fear of the Lord is having a right and healthy understanding of who God is and who we are. And for the the one who calls themselves a Christian. A follower of the Lord. Fear of God or fear of the Lord is seen in our recognition that Jesus is the final and ultimate authority in our lives. He's the author. He's the master. He is supreme. And when we recognize that, when we recognize that He is God and we are not. He is supreme. He is the ultimate authority authority in our lives, this evokes a holy and reverent fear of God. God is perfect. He is other. He is holy. And a rightful understanding that we are sinners in need of salvation, we are in need of His perfection, leads us to reverence, awe, and devotion. And ultimately, devotion leads to love. So the man who fears the Lord, this may sound like, well, yeah, duh, but the man who fears the Lord, a biblical fear of the Lord, loves the Lord. And his life revolves around knowing Christ and making Him known. Men, I'm speaking to you this morning and I'm going to continue to speak to, to you. Where are you at in your rightful fear of the Lord this morning? Is your life revolving around knowing Christ and making Him known? If you're here this morning and you're going, ooh, I'm not sure about that. It's okay. He's still calling you, right? He's calling me. But this is the calling To men of God. To fear the Lord. To have a rightful understanding. So throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, we see a direct link between the fear of God, fear of the Lord, and what? Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. There is a continued link directly, again and again and again, between the fear of the Lord and having wisdom, knowledge, understanding. And understand stand, standing. Proverbs 9:10. It's a verse we all know well, right? The fear of the Lord is the, the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We can't fully be wise. We can't understand, have the lens of Christ until we first understand who He is and who we are. Until we get that, until we have that foundation, we can't fully have the wisdom of the Lord, the knowledge of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of we- wisdom. So where does this wisdom come from? Is it just kind of what we muster up? Is it, is, it, is, it, is it ideas that pop into our head? Where does the wisdom of God come from, church? Church? Not a trick question. What's the wisdom of the Lord? The Word of God, okay? Right? The Word of God is where we build our foundation. This is, this is the wisdom that we build our lives upon. For the man of God, all wisdom and all authority comes from God's Word. It's not our own opinions, our own thoughts. If we orient our lives around the person of Jesus, this is where we build our lives upon. So who is the blessed man? Marker number one, it is the man who fears the Lord, who has a rightful understanding. His identity is in Jesus and in Jesus alone. He is God, we are not, and we are here To worship Him. Point number two. Let's look at that second half of verse one. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Who what? Who walks in His ways. Who walks in His ways. What does it mean to walk in the ways of the Lord? Well, let us notice here the internal and external behaviors in this verse. Okay? Once again, it begins with the fear of the Lord. It begins with an internal conviction, an internal decision, and an internal belief as to who God is and who we are. Right? That's where we start. That's the starting point. That's the foundation. It begins with an internal belief that affects external behaviors, right? What we believe at our core as to who Jesus is should ultimately affect how we live, right? Every day. Because the man or wa- 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 woman fears the Lord, time and time again we, we see the, this word delight. He delights in walking in the ways of the Lord. The man who fears the Lord and delights in the ways of the Lord has his roots in God's word. Why? Why is that? Scripture says that God's word is a light unto our and a light and a sorry a lamp unto our and a light unto our. Right? It gives us direction and guidance. Psalm 119.3 says, Lead me in the path of Your commandments, for I delight in it. Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in His commandments. Now, I want to pause here. And as I was preparing this, uh, the Lord just kind of, kind of kind of brought like a lot of past thoughts and experiences back into my mind. Here's the question, okay? It's important. It's important for us to get this. What is the woman or the man of God who fears the Lord? What are they delighting in? What are they delighting in? Is it simply delighting in the Word of God itself? the way that it sounds, the way that it's written, how clever or convicting that it was. There's been times in my past I was a pastor on staff for over ten years, and times that I would preach, I would come down afterwards, and I would get things like, oh, pastor, That was awesome, or like, great job, way to go! That was so good, you know. And I'm not. Please hear me. Um, You want to be an encouragement to a pastor. Sometimes you don't know what to say, so that's just kind of what comes out. But as I was just like thinking through this, um. I wondered, are we delighting in the delivery? Are we delighting in just what the word of God says itself? Or how clever or convicting it was? Did Paul have enough jokes? You know, is that what the delight is in? And I would say no. For the believer, The light comes not just from hearing or reading the Word of God, but it comes through obedience to the Word of God. The light comes in obeying God's Word. The book of James, right? says, don't just be hearers of the Word, but doers. Time and time again. Jesus Himself said, if you love Me, you'll do what? You'll obey My commandments. So church, it's not just good enough for us to read it or hear it in a podcast and go, oh, that was so good. And we don't apply it to our lives. If it doesn't change us and transform us from the inside out, then it's just another bunch of words. And please hear, 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 hear me. I'm not calling God's Word a bunch of words because I believe, as God's Word says, that it does go out and it does produce fruit. It will purpose exactly what God intends it to, but sometimes we fall short of that. We're just like, man, that that was that sermon was so good, and then we walk out these doors and we don't apply it to our lives, and that's where we need the help of the Holy Spirit. So delight comes through obedience. To God's word throughout Scripture, there is an inseparable, inseparable connection between faith and obedience. My dad preached last week, and he referenced Hebrews eleven, this Hall of Faith. Right, these people, these men and women of God throughout history that obeyed god they just weren't hearers of the word they just weren't lord i hear what you're saying but not really great timing right or like yeah god i'm on board and then it doesn't change the way that they live their life no hebrews 11 is a collection of people that based their life on the promises of god and by faith they obeyed god they did exactly what god asked them to do and here's the thing most of them, if not all of them, never saw the promises of God fulfilled. I wonder how that would would sit with us today in 2022 where everything is instantaneous and we want to see things happen, baby. Right? What what if God were saying, hey, this is here, here's what I'm calling you to do, and guess what? You're not going to see the end result. You're not going to see the fruit in your lifetime. But believe me, I am faithful. I am good. And I have a purpose in this. These men and women of God, they received the Word of God and they were compelled by their faith to action. They obeyed God even when it cost them everything. Their faith compelled them. May it compel us. So let's continue in verse 2. What does it say Say, say there? Verse 2. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Interesting ver- verse here. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. This verse... Is actually taken directly out of the Mosaic Covenant. Okay? As we look at the history of Israel, uh, they were in a disobedient bunch. Man, they they were not great. Okay, and time and time again, God would say, Here's what I want you to do, and they would say, Nah, not great, not, not good, God. We're gonna go our other way. And they just continued disobedience again and again and again. And because of that, God allowed. Israel to go through some tough times. And one of those things, one of those experiences, is that the Lord allowed neighboring nations to come in and to steal and to plunder the crops. So you can imagine the Israelites farming and harvesting and working so hard with their hands to literally survive, and these neighboring nations would come in and pillage and plunder and take everything, all of their hard work was all for naught. We see this in the book of of Judges over and over again. What's God saying here in this verse? If you keep my commandment, if you keep my covenant, if you walk in my ways that I will let you eat and enjoy the fruit of the labor of your hands. Now church, for us today in 2022, this verse is not specifically for us. We're not under the Mosaic Covenant. We are under the New Covenant. We are under the covenant of grace. But what does this verse say to uh, uh, us then? How shall we read it? How I interpret this verse speaks to the nature and the character of God. That God loves His people and He wants to bless us. And He sees the hard work of our hands. If we love Him and we follow Him, He wants to bless us in that way. And God is the same yesterday, today, and for forever. And when these words were written to the Israelites, the nature and the character of God and who He is and how He wants to bless us is the same today as it was then. Alright, church, point number three. Point number three. The man who reaps the reward of his household. I love this. The psalmist continues with the promises of God and not just for this man, but for his entire family as well. Let's read again verses 3 and 4. It says this, Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, and your children will be like olive shoots around your table. It's important to know, note here as we take a look at this man's household and dads. If you're a dad here this morning, please catch this. Okay, It's important to note know, know here. And this was unbelievably convicting for me this week as I was honing in on what the Lord would want to say to the church. As we look at this man's household, it is obvious and clear that he has a direct spiritual, relational, and emotional influence on his family. You can't read this verse and not go, he is the spiritual leader in his house. And his wife follows suit and his children are growing in the Lord. So let's look at this. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine. A vine produces fruit. right? So this wife... She's all she herself is producing fruit. She's she she's not dependent upon her hus, husband. She within herself is producing fruit. Yes, the husband is an influence in her life. He is leading her, but he her herself, she is producing fruit. She is producing life, right? A vine. I'm sorry, the fruit on the vine. Also, is dependent on the vine itself, and I interpret that as her, as her kids. I look around all of the, the, the room this morning, and these moms, and the relationship that children have to their mom, the dependency upon their mom, the nurturing of their mom, and dads. We play a role in that. How encouraging are we are how encouraging are we to our wives how much do we fan the flame of their heart and their role within the home how much do we encourage them and support them and love them as the mom as she looks to meet the needs of her kids a vine is consistent and faithful through the storms, through the seasons of life. The vine is always there. It's strong. It's producing fruit. It's faithful. It's consistent. And the vine itself speaks to just life. I used to um, work around a vineyard. And uh, one of the things that, 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 that I did during this time time of the year is I would go in, um, you know, as some of the grapes had fallen to the ground and the vine was trying to hold on. And I remember the guy that I work with said, don't worry about the vine. The vine is going to be fine. It looked gnarly. okay? He's like the vine is going to be fine because it's strong and it's built to last the coldest storms, the harshest winters. It's there and it will continue to produce fruit. What a beautiful picture of a mother within the household. I love the, this one. If your kid's here this morning, your children will be like olive shoots around what? Around the table. So I don't know what your guys' experience was, uh, but I grew up around a table. Uh, we all have different experiences of what meal time was what was like. Uh, even people my age that that I talk to, when we talk about this idea, they're like, you sat around a table, you know? Yeah, we did. For, for, For our family, and my mom and dad may, when we were younger, have a different opinion of this. But when I look back now as an adult, it was kind of like a sacred space for us. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we we always ate. And as I got older, I ate more and more. My mom could attest to that as we attest to Peyton. Um, Just can't feed him enough. (laughs) But we're gathered around. And that was a time where we, as brief as it was or as long as it was, we weren't going anywhere. There was a sacred space because we could look at each other in the eyes. And we could ask things like, How are you? How was your day? How was your week? (laughs) When have we seen each other? You know, that that type of thing. But that was always a, a special time for us. And as you grow older, as your kids get older, it's harder. It's more difficult, right, to fight for that time together. Can I encourage you, moms and dads, especially kids of... Of younger ages, no matter you know, I get I, yeah, I get it. My kids are in sports. We're all in activities. We're all going here and there. But as much as you possibly can, would you fight for that dinner table time? That could be a time of great joy, uh, and as a parent who's training their child, children to have manners, it could also be a challenging space too but I think that's where God does His work. Not just in their hearts, but in ours. So fight for that dinner table time. But the psalmist here, right? This isn't just like a new, 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 new thing. This is way, way back when. Around the table, around that community space, your children will be like olive shoots. Uh, funny story about the table. So we were doing dad jokes earlier. Uh, My dad had the same stinking dad joke every time we gathered around the table. Every time. Now by every time, I mean there had to be one food item present in order for this joke to happen. He would probably do it if it wasn't there. But he, it, it, the, the, the food item had to be there in order for Dad. And when Mom would serve it, we saw it come, come and It was like, oh, here, okay. And it didn't matter if it was just the five of us or if there was 50 of us, right? And it's like, oh, Dad, please, don't, not the here, here, here it comes. You guys don't want to hear, hear the joke? So the food item that was, had to be present was beans. And it's not where you think it's going. It's not it's not where you think it's going. I was I was writing my note no notes down. Oh, they're gonna think it's it's not that, actually. My dad was way more mature than that. <laughs> Spend five minutes with my dad and you'll know I'm lying. No, I'm just kidding. Here 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 was the joke, okay? So we'd sit down and you just kinda wait for it. Coming, and he would say something like, Hey guys, uh, let's make sure we eat our beans today because tomorrow they'll be has beans. <laughs> That's usually the reaction that we got around the table. We were always like this, or people like, <laughs> Okay, you know. (laughs) And my kids will laugh because now I use the joke. I mean, it's, it's just how it works. You just hand it down. But we're not talking about beans. We're talking about olive shoots or olives, okay? Becca and I got a chance several years back. We took an anniversary trip to, we went on a Mediterranean cruise. Fancy, I know. And this Mediterranean cruise, there was two stops in Greece. Uh, which we would go back to in a heartbeat. Greece was unbelievable. But we went up, we got off to the ship and we went up this cobblestone path. And there was kind of like this like small gate around this tree, and the olive trees are everywhere. And there like was a placard thing at the base of this tree. and uh, it said that they could trace the, the history, The lineage of this tree back 2200 years. This tree was there when Jesus was walking the earth. That's how old these olive trees can last. And what was amazing about it is that the olives on this tree, as we walked by, were just, I mean, you're just kind of like, is that for real? They were everywhere. So let's talk about olive trees for just a second. Olive shoots are these baby olive trees that grow up around the base of the adult olive tree. And this really cool, beautiful picture is eventually these baby olive trees with the nurturing and the root system of the adult tree, they grow and they essentially take over for the adult olive tree. Some in, interesting facts. I got four of them, you're gonna love this. Interesting facts about olive trees. First one longevity. Okay, as I spoke, 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 spoke about before, they can last thousands of years and still produce fruit. They are prolific. As early as the age of five, an olive tree can produce olives. So at a very young age, They are producing fruit. Thirdly, olive trees are indestructible. And it has a lot to do with the root system. So when you're researching olive trees, obviously I don't know much about it, so I'm on there this week. And uh, they they say that the average olive tree has root systems that can be 50 to 75 yards deep. It's half of a football field. this is this is an extensive root system, but because because of that, because they've grown down so deep, they are with able to withstand disasters. They are with able to withstand fires and droughts. In a lot of ways, these trees were built created to be indestructible. And lastly, Olive trees are generous. The average olive tree can produce annually 400 pounds of all olives, and some of the older trees can produce up to 800 pounds a year. So let's talk, talk about this. Why, why is the psalmist comparing children to olive trees or olive shoots that are growing up? Right. Well, I just listed four characteristics. So parents, if you're here, here, here this morning, here is my, my prayer for my children and for yours. I would take no note, notes on the, these and I would begin to pray these for your kids. The first one, one, one is this. That my child, children and yours, that they would faithfully walk with the Lord their entire lives. That they would experience spiritual longevity. That they would walk with the Lord faithfully their entire lives too. That they would produce fruit at a young age. Scripture says, don't anybody look down, down on you, right? Paul too. Tim Timothy, right? Timothy, don't anybody look down on you because you are young, right? But set an example for the church. Pray that our children would produce spiritual fruit at a very young age. Three, that they would not grow up, but that rather they would grow down. That our children would have a deep root system of faith. That they would understand that their identity is in Jesus as a man or as a woman of God. That they would grow down deep and that their identity would be firm as to who God has created them to be. And fourthly, that our children would be generous with their lives. And I don't mean just financially, I actually mean with their time. That our children early on would catch a glimpse of what it means to spend their life for the sake of the gospel. That they would serve their church well. That they would serve their community well. That they would serve their friends well. And that they would see that serving Christ and His kingdom is worth it. The man who fears the Lord, the man who walks in his ways, and the man who reaps the reward of his household. The psalmist ends with a blessing that this man of God would see the prosperity of of the, the church and that he would enjoy long life. It says that he would see his children's children. So church, my encouragement for us as men specifically today, is that we would walk humbly with the Lord. That we would be consistent. And I could I could talk for a long time about consistency, but what I mean by that is that we would be the same man on Sunday morning as we would be in our home on Wednesday night. And again, by the Spirit of God, that is possible. So here's how I'd like us to close our time this morning. If I could have the, the, the worship team on up. We're going to um, close in a minute with uh, Good and Gracious King. And I, 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 I love this song because... Um, It's only by the grace and goodness of God that we can be godly men. It's only by the goodness and grace of God that we can lead our families well. And uh, I didn't tell this to, to Joe, but I feel like this is how the Lord would want us to, to close. I, I, I want to... Um, Joe, may I to be, if you could just play a little bit? I'd, I'd like to spend a, a, a moment... Praying over the dads, um, and I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't prepare this. My my notes are done, but um, I feel like our culture would love nothing more than to undermine the man of God, and this is displayed from TV to movies where the man is the idiot. And uh, whether we want to admit it or not, men are under attack today. Our identity, our role, our authority, and I don't mean like Iron fist authority. I mean, what God has graciously given us to lovingly lead. And I think men, and I, he, I saw a few dads come in this morning, and it was just like this uh, thank God I just made it here. And I get it. Uh, the calling of God on men is a big one. Um, And I want you to know that you're not alone. Uh, Not only is the Spirit of God in you and upon you, but if you look around, it's just a bunch of messed up dads trying to do it as well. And so, here's what I like to do, and this is going to be messy, and I'm I'm fine with that. Um, if you're if you're a dad, I'd like for you to stand. And if you're a man and you're not a dad, I'd like for you to stand too. Because whether the Lord will one day give you kids or you know what, you're just a man trying to lead and live a godly life. It's a high, high calling. For everyone else that's not a man, (laughs) for everyone that's sitting, uh, whether you have a husband or a dad, um, or you don't, you're like, who do I? Uh, I just like for everybody to be surrounded lay hands on somebody okay so um if you're like i don't really have a family just find somebody and let's try our best if men need to gather so it's easier for the hand thing like just do that um but let's try and let's try and do this Together with the singing of Good and Gracious King, okay? okay?